Chapter Thirty Two of the Legends and Myths of Hawaii. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. The Legends and Myths of Hawaii by King David Kalakaua. Kalalapuna the princess of manoa a legend of the valley of the rainbow manoa is the most beautiful of all the little valleys leaping abruptly from the mountains back of honolulu and cooling the streets and byways of the city with their sweet waters and it is also the most verdant gentle rains fall there more frequently than in the valleys on either side of it and almost every day in the year it is canopied with rainbows sometimes it is called and not inappropriately the valley of rainbows why is it that manoa is thus blessed with rains thus ornamented with rainbows thus cradled in everlasting green were a reason sought among natural causes it would doubtless be found in a favoring rent or depression in the summit above the valley overlooking the eastern coast of oahu where the wind and rain are abundant but tradition furnishes another explanation of the exceptionally kind dealings of the elements with manoa not as satisfactory perhaps as the one suggested but very much more poetic far back in the past as the story relates the projecting spur of akaaka above the head of manoa valley was united in marriage with the neighboring promontory nalehuakaaka a growth of lehua bushes still crowns the spur in perpetual witness of the union of this marriage of mountains twin children were born a boy named kahukani which signified manoa wind and a girl called kahukahaini which implied manoa rain at their birth they were adopted by a chief and chiefess whose names were kolowahi and pokakulukaha they were brother and sister and cousins also of akea the brother took charge of the boy and the sister assumed the custody and care of the girl reared apart from each other and kept in ignorance of their close relationship through the management of their foster parents they were brought together at the proper age and married the fruit of this union was a daughter who was given the name kala laupuna and who became the most beautiful woman on her time thus it was that the marriage of the wind kahakukani and rain kahuakini of manoa brought to the valley as an inheritance the rainbows and showers for which it has since been distinguished to continue the story of the ancient bards of oahu kalalopuna or kaha as the name will hereafter be written grew to a surprisingly beautiful womanhood 
a house was built for her in a grove of sandal trees at kahaimano where she lived with a few devoted servants the house was embowered in vines and two pololua or tabu staves were kept standing beside the entrance to indicate that they they guarded from intrusion a person of high rank her eyes were so bright that their glow penetrated the thatch of her haley and a luminous glimmer played around its openings when bathing a rosette halo surrounded her and a similar light is still visible it is claimed whenever her spirit revisits kalaimano in infancy kaha was betrothed to kahui a young chief of kalua whose parents were so sensible of the honor of the proposed union that they always provided her table with poi of their own making and choice of fish from the ponds of kaiuni the acceptance of these favors placed her under obligations to the parents of kahui and kept her in continual remembrance of her betrothal hence she gave no encouragement to the many chiefs of distinction who sought to obtain glimpses of her beauty and annoyed her with proffers of marriage the chief to whom she was betrothed was like herself of something more than human descent and she felt herself already bound to him by ties too sacred to be broken the fame of her beauty spread far and near and people came from long distances to clutch glimpses of her from lands adjoining as she walked to and from her bathing pool or strolled in the shelter of the trees surrounding her house among those who many times approached her dwelling but failed to see her were kiwawaki haley and kumauna two inferior chiefs whose eyes were defigured by an unnatural distension of the lower lids in eugenious revenge and envious of those who had fared better they decked themselves with lays of flowers and repairing to the bathing place at waikiki boasted that the garlands had been placed around their necks by the beautiful kaha with whom they affected the greatest intimacy among the bathers at the popular resort was kahui although the day fixed for his marriage with kaha was near at hand he had never seen her this being one of the conditions of the betrothal the stories of the two miscreants were repeated until kahui at length gave them credence and in a fit of jealous fury he resolved to kill the beautiful enchantress who had thus trifled with his love leaving waikiki in the morning he reached kahaimano about midday breaking from a pandanus tree a heavy cone of nuts with a short limb attached he presented himself at the house of kaha she had just awoke from a nap and was about to proceed to her bathing pond when she was startled at observing a stranger at her door he did not speak 
but from frequent descriptions she at length recognized him as kuhi and with some embarrassment invited him to enter declining and admitting his identity he requested her to step without and she unhesitatingly complied his first intention was to kill her at once but her supreme loveliness and ready obedience unnerved him for the time and he proposed that she should first bathe and then accompany him in a ramble through the woods to this she assented and while she was absent kahui stood by the door moodily watching the bright light playing above the pond where she was bathing he was profoundly impressed with her great beauty and would have given half the years of his life to clasp her in his arms unsullied the very thought intensified his jealousy and when his mind reverted to the disgusting objects upon whom he believed she had bestowed her favors he resolved to show her no mercy and impatiently waited her return finishing her bath and rejoining him at the door her beauty was so enrapturing that he was afraid to look at her face lest he might again falter it was therefore with his back turned to her that he declined to partake of food before they departed and motioned her to follow him his actions were so strange that she said to him half in alarm are you indeed angered with me have i in any way displeased you speak that i may know my fault why foolish girl what could you have done to displease me replied kahui evasively nothing i hope returned kaha yet your look is cold and almost frightens me it is my mood to-day perhaps answered kahui increasing his pace to give employment to his thoughts you will think better of my looks no doubt when we are of longer acquaintance they kept on together he leading and she following until they reached a large rock in ihulama when he turned abruptly and seizing the girl by the arm said you are beautiful so beautiful that your face almost drives me mad but you have been false and must die kaha's first thought was that he was making sport with her but when she looked up into his face and saw that it was stern and smileless she replied if you are resolved upon my death why did you not kill me at home so that my bones might be buried by my people if you think me false tell me with whom that i may disabuse your mind of the cruel error possessing it your words are as fair as your face but neither will deceive me longer exclaimed kahui and with a blow on the temple with the cone of hala nuts which he was still carrying he laid her dead at his feet hastily digging a hole beside the rock he buried the body and started down the valley toward waikiki he scarcely left before a large owl a god in that guise who was related to kaha and had followed her 
unearthed the body rubbed his head against the bruised temple and restored the girl to life overtaking kahui kaha sang behind him a lament at his unkindness turning in amazement he observed the owl flying above her head and recognized the power that had restored her to life again ordering kaha to follow him they ascended the ridge dividing the valleys of manoa and new anu the way was beset with sharp rocks and tangled undergrowth and when kaha reached the summit her tender feet were bleeding and her pau was in tatters seating herself on a stone to regain her breath with tears in her eyes she implored kahui to tell her whither he was leading her and why he had sought to kill her his only reply was a blow with the halicone which again felled her dead to the earth burying the body as before he resumed his way toward waikiki again flying to the rescue of his beautiful and sinless relative the owl god scratched away the earth above her and restored her once more to life following kahui she again chanted a song of lament behind him and begged him to be merciful to one who had never wronged him even in thought hearing her voice he turned and without answer conducted her across the valley of nuanu to the ridge of waolani where he killed and buried her as he had done twice before and the owl god a third time removed the earth from the body and gave it life she again overtook her merciless companion and again pleaded for life and forgiveness for her unknown fault and yet instead of softening his heart the words of kaha enraged him and he resolved not to be thwarted in his determination to take her life leading her to the head of kaihi valley where she was for the fourth time killed buried and resurrected as before he next conducted her across the plains and steep ravines to pokakia on the iwa slope of the kala mountains he hoped the owl god would not follow them so far but looking around he discovered him among the branches of a ohia tree not far distant as kaha was worn down with fatigue it required but a slight blow to kill her the fifth time and when it was dealt to the unresisting girl her body was buried under the roots of a large koa tree and there left by kahui satisfied that it could not be reached by the owl god repairing to the spot after the departure of kahui the owl put himself to the task of scratching the earth from the body but his claws became entangled with the roots which had been left to embarrass his labors and after toiling for some time and making little or no progress he abandoned the undertaking as hopeless and reluctantly left the unfortunate girl to her fate following kahui to waikiki but there had been another witness to these many deaths 
and restorations of kaha it was a little green bird that had flitted along unobserved by either kaha or her companion and had followed them from kahi a mano flying from tree to tree and making no noise noting with regret that the owl god had abandoned the body of kaha the little bird which was a cousin to the girl and a supernatural being flew with haste to the parents of kaha and informed them of all that had happened to their daughter the girl had been missed but as some of her servants had recognized kahui and had seen her leave the house with him her absence occasioned no uneasiness and when the little green bird whose name was elapio recounted to the parents the story of kaha's great suffering and many deaths they found it difficult to believe that kahui could have been guilty of such fiendish cruelty to the radiant being who was about to become his wife they were convinced of elapio's sincerity however and with great grief prepared to visit the spot and remove the remains of kaha for a more fitting interment meantime the spirit of the murdered girl discovered itself to mahana a young chief of good address who was returning from a visit to waiani directed by the apparition he proceeded to the koa tree and removing the earth and roots discovered the body of kaha he recognized the face at once notwithstanding the blood and earth stains defiguring its faultless regularity he had seen and become enraptured with its beauty at kahimano and on one occasion which lived in his memory like a beautiful dream he had been emboldened by his love to approach sufficiently near to exchange modest words and glances with it gently removing the body from the shallow pit in which it had been buried mahana found to his great joy that it was still warm wrapping it in his kihei or shoulder scarf and covering it with male ferns and ginger he tenderly bore it in his arms to his home at kamolili as he walked he chanted his love and scarcely felt his burden reaching home he laid the body upon a kappa mo and earnestly implored his elder brother to restore it to life he being a kahuna and having skill in such manners examining the body and finding that he could do nothing unaided the brother called upon their two spirit sisters for assistance and through their instrumentality the soul of kaha was once more restored to its beautiful tenement but it was some time before she fully recovered from the effects of her cruel treatment some time in fact before she was able to walk without support in her convalescence mahana was her considerate and constant companion and found no greater pleasure than in providing her with the delicacies to which she had been accustomed she was greatly benefited by the waters of the underground cave of maokai to which she was frequently and secretly taken 
and under the watchful care of Mahana, she was at length restored to health. With her recovery, in the home of her new friends at Kamolili, Kaha was introduced to a life that was new to her, but it was by no means an unpleasant change from the restraints of her listless and more sumptuous past behind the protecting shadows of her pululus where she was jealously watched and where rank closed her doors to congenial companionship she repaired to an unfrequented beach and unobserved played with the shifting sands and sang to the waves and at night went with mahana to the reef with torch and spear in search of fish and squid knowing that her restoration to life could not be long kept from her relatives mahana told her that his love for her was great and asked her to become his wife i shall never love any one better than mahana replied kaha but from infancy i have been betrothed to kahui my parents the wind and rain of mahona have promised that i shall be his wife while he lives i can be the wife of no other the argument that kahui had forfeited all right to her by his cruelties failed to shake her resolution and the brother of mahana advised him to in some manner compass the death of kahui to this end they apprised the parents of kaha of her restoration to life and conspired with them to keep secret the information for a time this they were the more disposed to do because of their uncertainty concerning what kahui might again attempt should he find the girl alive in pursuance of the plan adopted mahana learned from kaha all the songs she had chanted to mollify the wrath of kahui while she was following him through the mountains and then sought the kilu houses of the king and chiefs in the hope of encountering his rival it was not long before they met under just the circumstances as mahana desired he discovered kahui engaged with others in the game of kilu and joined the party as a player the kilu passed from the hand of kahui to mahana who on receiving it began to chant the first of kaha's songs surprised and embarrassed kahui in violation of the rules of the game stopped the player to inquire where he had learned the words of the song he was singing the answer was that he had learned them from kaha the noted beauty of manoa who was a friend of his sister and was then visiting them at their home knowing that she had been deserted by the owl god and feeling assured that kaha was no longer living kahui denounced as a falsehood the explanation of the player bitter words followed and but for the interference of friends there would have been bloodshed they met the next day at the kilu house and in the evening following when similar scenes occurred between mahana and his rival kahui became so enraged at length 
that he admitted that he had killed the beautiful kaha of manoa and declared that kaha of manhana to be an impostor who had heard of the death of the real kaha and audaciously assumed her name and rank he then challenged mahana to produce the woman claiming to be kaha agreeing to forfeit his life should she prove in flesh and blood to be the one whom he knew to be dead and subjecting mahana to a like penalty in the event of the claimant proving to be other than the person he represented her to be it had been the purpose of mahana to provoke his rival to a combat with weapons but the challenge of kahui presented itself a more satisfactory means of accomplishing the object of his aim and he promptly accepted it and that both might be more firmly bound to its conditions they were repeated and formally ratified in the presence of the king and principal chiefs of the district the day fixed for the strange trial arrived it was to be in the presence of the king and a number of distinguished chiefs and akaka the grandfather of kaha had been selected as one of the judges a moose had been erected near the seashore by the respective friends of the contestants in which to roast alive the vanquished chief and dry wood for the heating was piled beside them fearing that the spirit of the murdered girl might be able to assume a living appearance and thus impose upon the judges kahui had consulted the priests and sorcerers of his family and was advised by kai to have the large and tender leaves of the ape plant spread upon the ground where kaha and her attendants before the tribunal were to be seated when she enters said the kalua watch her closely if she is of flesh her weight will rend the leaves if she is merely a spirit the leaves where she walks and sits will not be torn on her way to waikiki the place designated for the trial kaha was accompanied by her parents friends and servants and also by the two spirited sisters of mahana who had assumed human forms in order to be better able to advise and assist her if occasion required they informed her of kei's proposed test with ape leaves and advised her to quietly tear and rend them as far as possible for some distance around her in order that the spirit friends beside her who would be unable to do as much for themselves thereby escape detection if discovered they would be exposed to the risk of being killed by the po po unhan or spirit catchers arriving at waikiki kaha and her companions repaired to the large enclosure in which the trial was to take place the king chiefs judges and advisers of kahui were already there and thousands of spectators were assembled in the grounds adjoining the ape leaves had been spread by the consent of the king as advised by kaia and kaha entered with her friends and advanced to the place reserved for them not far from her stood kahui 
as he bent forward in anxiety and looked into her star-like eyes with a sinking heart he saw that their reproachful gleam was human and knew that he had lost the wager of his life observing her instructions kaha took pains to quietly rend and rample the ape leaves under and around her so far as she was concerned the test was satisfactory the evidence of the leaves torn by her feet could not be questioned kai was therefore compelled to admit that kaha was a being of flesh and bone but in his disappointment he declared that he saw and felt the presence of spirits in some manner connected with her and would detect and punish them irritated at the malice of the kalua akaka advised him to look for the faces of the spirits in an open calabash of water eagerly grasping at the suggestion kai ordered a vessel of clear water to be brought in and incautiously bent his eyes over it he only saw the reflection of his own face akaka also caught a glimpse of it and knowing it to be the spirit of the seer he seized and crushed it between his palms and kaia fell dead to the earth beside the calabash in which he had been peering akaka then turned and embraced kaha acknowledging that she was his granddaughter and that her purity and obedience rendered her worthy of the love of the bold upland of akaka and of her parents the wind and rain of manoa the curiosity of the king was aroused and he demanded an explanation of the strange proceedings he had just witnessed kaha told her simple story and kahui on being interrogated could deny no part of it as an excuse for his barbarous conduct however he repeated and attributed his jealous rage to the boastful assertions of kumaana and kiwawakihili the slanderers were sent for at once and on being confronted by kaha admitted they never had seen her before and that they had boasted of their intimacy with her to make others envious of their good fortune well replied the king after listening to the confessions of the miscreants as your efforts in exciting the envy of others have brought terrible suffering to an innocent girl i now promise you something of which no one i think will envy you you will be baked alive with kahui if you have friends among the gods pray to them that the imus may be hot and your suffering short the imus were ordered to be heated at once and kahui and the two kalimators were thrown into them alive and roasted the first went to his death bravely chanting a song of defiance as he proceeded to the place of execution but the others vainly struggled and sought to escape the retainers of kahui were so disgusted with his cruelty to kaha that they transferred their allegiance to her and the lands and fishing rights that had been his 
were given to Mahana at once. And how do you intend to reward the young chief who hazarded his life for you? inquired the king, pleasantly addressing Kaha as he rose to depart. With my own, O king, replied the girl, advancing to Mahana and laying her head upon his breast. So it shall be, indeed, returned the king. I have said it, and you are now the wife of Mahana. In his gratitude, the happy young chief threw himself at the feet of the king and said, I am your slave, great king. Demand of me some great service or sacrifice, that you may know that I am grateful. Even as you desire, returned the king, I will put you to a task that will tax to the utmost your patience. I listen, O king, said Mahana resoutly. The sacrifice I ask, resumed the king, with a merry twinkle in his eye, is that for full three days from this time you embrace not your bride. A sacrifice indeed, exclaimed Mahana, catching the kindly humor of the request and slyly glancing at the downcast face of Kaha. It is too great, I see, for one whose beard is not yet fully grown, interrupted the king. Will I withdraw the request? The girl is yours. Take her with you without conditions. Here the story of the trials of Kaha should end, but it does not. Sometime during the night following the death of Kahui, a tidal wave, sent by a powerful shark god, swept over and destroyed the emus in which the condemned men had been roasted, and their bones were carried into the sea. Through the power of their family gods, Kumankana and Kiwawakihele, were transformed into two peaks in the mountains back of Monawa Valley, while Kahui, who was distinctly related to the shark god, was turned into a shark. For two years Kaha and her husband lived happily together, surrounded by many friends enjoying every comfort. Her grandfather, Akaka, visited her frequently, and, knowing of Kahui's transformation and vindictive disposition, admonished her to avoid the sea. For two years she heeded the warning, but one day, when her husband was absent and her mother was asleep, she ventured with one of her women to the beach to witness the sports of the bathers and surf riders. As no harm came to the swimmers and the water was inviting, she finally borrowed a surfboard and, throwing herself joyfully into the waves, was carried beyond the reef. This was the opportunity for which Kahui had long waited. Seizing Kaha and biting her body in twain, he swam around with the head and shoulders exposed above the water, that the bathers might note his triumph. The spirit of Kaha at once returned to the sleeping mother and informed her of what had befallen her daughter. Waking and missing Kaha, the mother gave the alarm and with others immediately proceeded to the beach. The bathers, who had fled from the water on witnessing the fate of Kaha, confirmed the words of the spirit, 
and canoes were launched in pursuit of the shark still exhibiting the bloody trophy beyond the reef swimming with the body of kaha just far enough below the surface to be visible to the occupants of the canoes the monster was followed to wanae where in shallow waters he was seen with other sharks to completely devour the remains this rendered her restoration to life impossible and the pursuing party returned sadly to waikiki with the final death of kaha her parents relinquished their human lives and retired to manoa valley the father is known as manoa wind and his visible form is a small grove of hua trees beneath kahaimano the mother is recognized as manoa rain and is often met with in the vicinity of the former house of her beloved and beautiful daughter the grandparents of kaha also abandoned their human forms akeka resuming his personation of the mountain spur bearing his name and his august companion nestling upon his brow in the shape of a thicket of lehua bushes and there among the clouds they still look down upon kahi amano and the fair valley of manoa and smile as the rains of kuahua hain which day by day renew their beauty and keep green with ferns and sweet with flowers the earthy home of kahaloa puna end of chapter thirty two Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. End of the Legends and Myths of Hawaii by King David Kalakua